podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kauser Show. My God, it felt like another tense game at the beginning of that game against Aston Villa. But hey, the Reds doing what they do best, winning and an important part win, not only in the league, but what it means for the season and of course that FA Cup game against Chelsea over the weekend. And... Joining me on this podcast, I have two excellent guests. People have not podcasted in a while, so it's always good to freshen things up, just like Jürgen did with that team lineup, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. But first up, without um, a guy that doesn't really need an intro, but I'm going to give him one because he's just awesome. Uh, he's my good friend. I love podcasting with him. He's so cool. It is Mr. Justin Wells. Welcome back, Justin. Glad to be here, Nina. Thankfully, I'm talking to you after a win again. I know. I know. Mando on for the Villa game and he was so calm I was like what happened to you you're so calm but I loved it I loved it and it's great to have you on as well Justin and um, look forward to hearing your thoughts on on that game and joining Justin on this podcast I mean when this guy joined the Nina Kaza show WhatsApp group I got really excited because I do for, I do have a terrible name uh, memory when it comes to names and things but I remember my guests and I remember the people that contribute to the show and it's been I've been told um, off air that it has been six years since um, this guy has had any involvement on on the Nina Kauza show. So it's great. It's like having a fresh, brand new signing or a legend making his um, making his um, uh, re-signing, like the Robbie Fowler days. I don't know. Um, it is Steve. Steve, um, welcome back. Thank you very much. I'm feeling very relieved after being a bit cocky this afternoon before that game. Oh, well, you know what? It, it paid off. It paid off. Guys, um, I will come to both of you in a minute, but we do have a call and I know it's late where this caller's calling from. So I'm just going to bring him in real quick. Unfortunately, um, uh, Kieran can't call today, so I'm going to give him a special shout out. Uh, He'll be back next week, but a shout out to him because he is my um, go-to caller. So really, really appreciate his input. But our first caller today is is a different one. And I've not heard from him in a while. It's Chris. Chris, um, welcome back to the show. Hey, Nina. Hey, guys. Everybody's heart rate back to normal after that game. Uh, <laughs> it was that, that was a that was a rough one. But um, what I did want to come on and say really quick was um, I was a little worried uh, coming into this match, um, specifically with, you know, uh, pot- the potential hangover from, you know, how the players were from uh, Spurs with that result. Because Klopp did mention that it was kind of like a funeral vibe, he said. I don't know if he was talking about the crowd or the players when they were in the locker room because they dropped points last week. And I was worried with that mentality carrying over. Um, 
But I think this type of game is exactly what they needed. A grind out, you know, two to one victory that I definitely think this is the type of game we're going to have to deal with uh, on Saturday for the cup final. And definitely the type of mentality that we're going to have to deal with if we're going to play with a relentless team against it, against uh, Real Madrid. So to me, um, uh, Dell said Klopp was talking about the pre- the dressing room. So point stands, even the fan base itself, you know, like when our emotions that can radiate out to the players onto the pitch. So I was a little worried. Um, you know, that our form would dip a little bit going into the cup finals. But definitely to me, um, I think this was a type of game that we needed. I know we're behind on goal difference with City, but at this point, I'm not really thinking about that. I just want to get the treble. What are you guys' thoughts on, you know, needing this, this type of game for the team to reset their mentality, dig their heels back in into that siege mentality and, you know, just get the job done and not worrying about, you know, running up the score? I think there are two sides to it as well, though. Does anyone else not feel relieved that Villa actually turned up and they might turn up against City? There is that, but carry on going, uh, Steve, because I think Chris has like absolutely hit the nail on the head. And that was kind of the narrative that I was kind of, not the narrative, but that was the kind of intro that I was going to go with. Like, obviously, there was disappointment from the Spurs game, and then you saw Man City beat. Newcastle the way they did and you know for Liverpool to have and then to start off like that as well you know conceding within three minutes so you know I think Chris has hit the nail on the head but take it away because um you're hoping you're hoping that they do that but how many times have we been like sat there praying hoping a team does something and it kind of falls apart I also have to give a lot of credit to Steven Gerrard for coming out and wanting to kind of you know have some kind of aggression and bring some kind of energy but it's yours go go with it Steve in the in the famous words of Brodgy, there was a lot of character in tonight. But <laughs> I kind of felt like the, the equalising goal was fitting of our team, right? It was a absolute shambles in the Villa box, the same as the goal yes, we conceded. Yeah. But VVD crossing to Matip, could you think of anything more poetic when we need a goal to bring us back? Those two have been absolute BMS for us all season. Then off, after that, it was just frustrating I, I kind of i was sat in my nice comfy chair watching the match thinking that we will we will get a goal but we're going to have one of those days where we're going to have to watch mischance bad cross but it just the way we scored that equalizer i wasn't worried i was just frustrated does that make sense but i think <clears throat> and i think the team had looked like they were feeling the same right they looked like they were just they were getting frustrated they were getting annoyed obviously the Spurs match playing on their mind they knew they'd score but dear god did they have to grind out actually finally getting a clear-cut chance it's kind of that was my take from sitting there painfully watching it no, I like that. I think you've got some great takeaways there from that. And I think it's a great response to Chris's uh, points there initially. And Justin, I'm going to come to you. I mean, I think, you know, genuinely we were all relieved. And uh, what do you make of, like, how Liverpool kind of started that game and oh. how they played? I think that we kind of got suckered punched by uh, bad refereeing really early. That's a tough thing to come back from. And we came back from it immediately. So I think that even though this team is mentally kind of, you know, 
a little bit fried, which is understandable considering just the fact that they are going to play more games than any English side in an extremely long time over the course of this season. It's really easy to see where this team could be completely in total, where, you know, not completely and totally shocked. I don't think they are. I still think they know that there are things to be won. I think you're going to see a strong amount of energy from them on, on Saturday. But in the league, it feels like the odds have become kind of lower. And you can see that teams really want to come at us. Because right now at the moment in the league, we seem a little bit more vulnerable than City. City look like every time they're going to play in the league at the moment, they're just going to turn up and score five goals. We don't. We're not scoring a lot of goals at the moment. We are grinding everything out. And we did that again today. And and it's also worth noting as well, City have nothing to play for but the league they, now. They have nothing to play for but the league. And the league yep. can kind of reward being completely robotic. Right? It's not a bad... There's a huge difference between playing in a league where draws can happen to you and they are basically results that could destroy your season versus playing in a knockout t- competition where you have to win this or you're going to lose this. City don't have that kind of mentality. They're, they, if, if you tell City you have to win this game or else... You will not win this trophy like it's a playoff. That's when they end up in trouble. So that's when we uh, really need to, um, you know, focus on what they can and can't, what they can and can't do. And also when, you know, the the rest of the, you know, when the Reds are going to basically come under what they're going to need to do in order to actually win these two trophies, which is just gut it out. Doesn't matter if it doesn't matter how it looks. Just find that you know if you, if you once you once you draw even find that second goal. We've done that for the most part with the exception of against Spurs. So I think we can keep doing it. I think that's a good point. And I think if we keep chipping away and keep chipping away, and we get to the last game of the season, and we're in with the shout, that is City's final, right? And as we saw against Madrid, they might crumble, they might cock it up. And we might still be in with a chance. And as I said at the start, Villa showed up tonight. They tried to get in behind. They tried to be... They weren't rough, but they, they they weren't exactly not physical, right? They were making the tackles. They were trying to close down spaces. And Ings looked like he had a point to prove. And you know that Ings and Watkins and Coutinho would all love to score a goal against City. That means they don't win the Premier League. So I think as long as we can just win our last three games, I think we're still in with a chance because that's that's the point I think they could crumble. And also City now, uh, they have like some defensive issues as well, right? Um, I didn't watch the game over the weekend, but a little birdie told me that, you know, they've got some uh, defensive problems in the defence now, you know, like um, they've got some defensive injuries. So, I mean, Pep Guardiola might be talking absolute rubbish there and it's not the first time he's done it this week. Um, uh, Flop living rent-free in his head. But yeah, Liverpool just got to keep winning their games. And I think as well, I think Chris hit the nail on the head. That was exactly... Because I was watching that game at the beginning and obviously Spurs and I was like, now is not the time to be having... I mean, you should never have a wobbler in the season, but it's going to happen. But now is not the time to be having some bad results when you've got two big finals coming up. And I think this is this will probably put them in good stead because we know that they are mentally tough and they're agile and they're strong. But obviously, like today, Villa had a right good old go at it. But I think also you have to attribute some of it to Liverpool looking quite tired. And also Jurgen Klopp, like, you know, there were some big changes in, in that starting eleven. So, um, Justin, I'm going to come to you and we always have to start from the top. I mean, the team lineup, what did you make of it? You know, Klopp made some changes there. 
And, you know, I think, you know, some obvious ones were kind of like uh, Trimikas coming in for Robbo, Matip and uh, Van Dijk back to the usual partnership. I think the biggest um, changes were probably the midfield change up in terms of uh, Jones and Cater and Fabinho starting. And of course, Jota getting the nod ahead of Salah. And of course, Mane and Diaz start. So, I mean, I want, I want to get your thoughts on, on the starting 11. Was it, I mean, was it right for Klopp to do that? Because I thought the players did look very jaded against Spurs. So it definitely did a refresher. I mean, I thought it was, I thought he got it right. I think that Thiago needed a rest. I mm-hmm. think that Henderson probably was the one who I probably would have started instead of Fabinho. But at that point, it's, it's a coin flip, right? Because mm. those are the only two guys you can play as the sits. And they, you know, it's the guy who's played the most minutes lately in the midfield in Fabinho versus the guy who's played the most minutes overall this season in the midfield at Henderson. Both of those guys are going to be subject to, you know, there's injury risk against both at that point. So, you know, you 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 have to basically just go with what you think is useful. Giving Tiago a rest was huge because we need him to play, be able to, you know, play from the off against Chelsea because they've still never seen him from the off, you know, in a uh, in the midfield in this team with. Van Dyke behind him. Um, you're probably likely to, as much as I would, you know, prefer to see Fabinho healthy. You're likely to see Henderson in the sixth. So I think it made, so I think it made um, a, a good deal of sense actually to uh, to play Curtis Jones, who I actually think was pretty good. Right? I think Curtis Jones is a good midfielder who has featured into the rotation here and there. He's kind of been between him and Milner, the fifth midfielder, because both of them have gotten starts recently. And both of them have done okay in the time they've gotten. Both haven't been the most consistent, but that's what happens when you don't play a lot of minutes. And I think Jones, after a rough first 15 minutes, and I think that that rough first 15 minutes was certainly aided and abetted by in the bad way by playing with Simicus behind him at fullback, where I'm sure the two of them haven't had a ton of experience playing together at left fullback and left-sided eight, and playing the left-sided eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was, you know, I think that, it was going to take, take some time this side to get to know each other. I think at about 25 minutes into the first half, they kind of started clicking and understanding what they were trying to do. And I don't think from that point on, Villa carried really any threat. I just think that our habit of just gutting out these one goal wins is making us feel more nervous than they are. But I think we did establish, I think that that midfield did eventually develop a good amount of control. And I think that the, uh, the issue for us with everybody at this point is minutes played because we played a lot of games this season. So, mm-hmm. you know, just got to trust the clock's going to make the right decision and not, and if injuries happen, they happen. Absolutely. And Steve, I'll come to you. I mean, your thoughts of the team lineup uh, definitely needed a change up. I, I stand, I, I stand true to my word. I looked at a team lineup and I wasn't shocked or disappointed at anything. You just have to look at the Spurs game. And, you know, in the second half, I thought our players looked tired. And he had to play that team. So I want to get your thoughts on, on the starting lineup. Was there any shockers for you? Anyone that you would have preferred to have start? Hindsight is a wonderful thing, <laughs> as we all know. I said in the, the Discord chat before the match, um, there were only two things I would have liked to see different. I'd like to, I'd have liked to see Gomez start. He's been playing really well at right back, and I kind of felt like he'd probably be a better fit up against Ings and um, Watkins today. Trent looks like he's played a lot of minutes. I just thought he may, maybe he could have done with the rest. And I wanted to see Henderson start, but mostly because I want Fabiago as the midfield three for the final, which is looking highly unlikely now. So that was that was the main 
the main differences I'd have liked to have seen. But when I saw the lineup, I wasn't disappointed or like surprised by it at all. I thought maybe Mo might have started over Mane because he needs he needs a goal, but Mane's been our top scorer for the last three months and you know, came up with the most important finish today. So no, I thought the team was the team was good. I like I, I enjoyed watching Curtis play as Justin said, he looks good. He looks more and more comfortable as a first team player. Kinda hope he gets a loan next year to a team where he can play 30 Premier League games plus just to really get some rhythm. But yeah, he looked decent. He got hooked because we needed Tiago and Tiago's control, not because he didn't play well, right? No, he runs in, in the Discord chat. Dell's got a question here. Can no win? We couldn't have a much better opponent than Southampton. Of course, we, you know you know what Leicester did to them. And, and such uh, you know, no, 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 no. But uh, there, there's a problem here. They've already taken their, their, their talking for the season. So they use, there's only usually one of them. Have they taken it this season? I've not really they, been following they, they have, they, have, they have a 6-0 defeat. Oh, have they? Have they taken it? Oh, right, okay. They, they take, they've taken it on the tin this season already. Boo-hoo. Right, we'll swiftly move on to the next question. Uh, Steve, you kind of touched on this, and uh, and so did you, Justin, um, uh, Fabinho. And um, he, um, uh, Del wants to know thoughts on the Fabinho injury. I mean, we have just come on literally on the pod, so I don't have any updates. I mean, what do you make of it? Uh, to me, his performance before the injury as well, Steve, I thought he looked really tired. I thought he looked quite leggy. I thought he was playing like some... like. I don't know, maybe some dodgy passes. He just did, he looked off it. He looked tired and um, the injury was just like a shocker. And like you said, it looks highly unlikely that he might feature in the final now, which is an absolute bummer because he is incredible. Yeah, he looked really off the pace, but he didn't, there was no drama, right? He just basically sat down and said, I'm coming off. And, then stood and up I like and that. Said, I like And that. then stood up and said, I'm coming off. And they just whipped him off. So... Yeah. I'm wondering if he had a niggle pre-match or he was just just wasn't feeling right and Klopp made the right call, just get him off because it could be something minor, could be a tweak or a bruise or a foot, or just feeling, you know, absolutely ruined after the last few weeks. So we can we can live in hope that he makes the bench for the weekend. That would be a nice surprise. Um Whereas, you know, Naby, I don't think Naby has any actual injuries. I just think he was being an absolutely wonderful shithouse in the last five minutes. But we can pray um, because losing Fabinho would be pretty horrible. But as I said, they didn't, he didn't look like he pulled up. He didn't look like something had gone. He just looked like he went, no, I've had enough. I'm getting off. Yeah, he didn't even go down the tunnel. He stayed on the bench the entire time. Like... There's every possibility this late in the season we're telling players that if you feel literally anything, go down. I have a tweet here from Simon Brundish. Fab has played 900 minutes in the last five weeks. Yeah, I mean, for all we know, he had the shits all afternoon and Klopp said, can you play? And he said, yeah, I'll be all right. And 28 minutes and he might have gone, nah, I'm knackered. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just ultimately like... we. It makes no sense to me to jump to a conclusion about it. And even if he is injured, next man up. That, that's that's how that goes. If he's injured, the next man comes up. Which that's going to be Henderson playing the six. And, you know, 
we've we've played well with Jordan Henderson playing the six before, so no nobody should be you know it, it sucks for Tiago and you'd prefer him there because he is better at the six than than Henderson, but it's not like Jordan Henderson is an absolutely abhorrent six. He can play that role. He could do it well. And Chelsea, I believe, also have their own injury issues. So it's not like we're going to be facing a team that's fresh. It's May. Everybody's injured. These guys have all played a lot of football. And it means Milner's going to score a penalty that makes us beat City by one goal on the last game of the season, doesn't it? I love it. I love it. We're, we're going through everything here and um, all, all the possibilities. Could you imagine that would really stick it to him as well? Ex-City player and all of that. But guys, let's let's go back to the game. And uh, Justin, I'll come to you. I mean, I'd literally not even settled to the game yet. Uh, we, do we, have, we, we, we do have some quotes from Klopp. Oh, on go on. He said, me. they don't know how bad it is, but it is a big blow for us. So that's not positive. Do you think it's playing mind games? I have no idea. I don't believe like, a word. Like, you know what he's thinking and saying, Justin. You have insight. I, I don't because um, he, you know, says these kinds of things all the time. Yeah. I don't trust the thing that Klopp says about injuries. He says players are fine and they don't play for weeks. He says players are out and they turn up three days later. Trent was meant to be out for absolutely ages and came back and was brilliant against, was it Watford? earlier in the season. So, I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. We'll just have to watch this space. And Paul Joyce has just tweeted that Klopp says Fabinho is quite positive, but I'm not sure what I can make of that. So, yeah. Basically, no one has a clue. We'll have to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> Klopp playing 3D mind game chess we'll have to wait and hold on and watch this space in anguish but Justin I'm going to come to you back to the game like I said I've not even settled to this game like you know mentally in the zone and Liverpool concede and it was just an absolute hot mess you know um talk to me about that what were your thoughts what were your feelings I was like oh gosh but then on the flip side I was thinking well if you're going to concede you might as well concede early on because I'd like to see what this team's made out of and um yeah it was just chaos um uh, from my from my perspective um what did you make of it so I have a friend who calls an early goal the kiss of death and I kind of felt that that was what was gonna happen for Villa they scored too early um no I mean it was, it's a shit goal it should never have stood because Watkins is offside in the, in the build-up, but it did. And Matip and Simicus probably could communicate so that they don't run right into each other. And it makes for it easy to happen. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a calamitous goal to surrender, but if you're going to surrender that kind of goal, you'd rather do it in the third minute than the 83rd. Yeah, I am with you on that one. I suppose you might as well get that, get that, you know, that lurgy, that, that horrible goal out of the way early. I mean, what did you make of that? I mean, I think there's probably a few Liverpool supporters and I think there's some people who just like to have a good old whinge on social media, Steve. And, you know, that goal went in and, you know, they've got their tweets already saved in the draft. You know, like what, what they're going to say at full time. But um, a really, really horrible goal to concede. Uh, but on the, on the flip side and what Justin said as well, you might as well concede it early on. And uh, to me, it kind of had shades of, yeah, Liverpool look really tired. Yeah, Liverpool haven't settled into the game. Yeah, there's a few big changes in that Liverpool starting lineup, And they've just not quite found their rhythm. And yeah, that's what it felt like to me. 
I just wrote down shambles. Yeah. It's one of those goals for a bat four that haven't played that many games together. Mm-hmm. And it was it was weird on that side of the pitch that it was Matip and not Van Dyke. I can't quite work out why they were back to front at that point. I can't remember what the, the builder particularly well. As as you said, I was just sort of just grabbing my cup of tea, the the game was on, I was like, Oh, you know, I'm not gonna miss anything when I grab my brew and then I look over and they scored. So yeah, bit of a shambles, but We've had a few games like that, haven't we? Um, a few weeks ago, we played a completely new bat four, never played together, and we weren't we weren't great, but we recovered. And I think that's the big thing about this team is players like Van Dyke and Matip get pissed off with a goal, but they don't drop their heads, which is a bit different to seasons gone by under previous managers, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of, you know, those two players and, and goals and Steve, I'm gonna stick with you because Liverpool response was pretty much um you know, pretty sharp. Uh six minutes it took and um again it was a bit of a scrappy goal, you know, that ball was going everywhere and you know, and then Van Dijk sort of um puts in the cross for um, Joel Matip and Joel Matip scores. And, you know, it's always a good day when Joel Matip scores. You know, he did it against Leeds. Uh, it puts a smile on your face. But this time around, it was just relief that, yes, Liverpool have just kind of... Because I always find as well, like, the longer it stays at, like, 1-0, not that it's a concern for Liverpool, but, you know, the Spurs game, you know, it just feels like things just settle in. So it was really, really good. And it was really, and it was kind of different for Liverpool to kind of respond, to give that response instantly. So I want to get your thoughts on that goal because, again, equally, I thought it was a hot mess in their box as well. Yeah, I, again, I've, I've only run it down twice all match, but I've done shambles again. The ball was pinging around the box all over the place. Yeah. Mane was trying to get to it. Simicast was trying to do something useful. And but as soon as the ball fell to Van Dyke, I was like, we're scoring. There was, there was just he was he was composed. He slowed down. He's he's got that thing that Sai talks about, right? That the players that the whole world slows down and they see it quicker. And he was just nice and calm and put it perfectly into the six yard box where you've got Matip for the lovely tap in. And I think was it maybe Mane behind? There's definitely a player behind Matip if mm. if he misses it, who's who's tapping it in. So it was great. My only disappointment is I really wanted a full-blown Matip limb celebration, but we didn't get one. No, we can't have it all. We can't have it all. Um, it was just great to see him scoring. And, uh, yeah, um, it's good to see our, our centre-backs getting in on, on the scoring action. And Justin, I'm going to come to you. I mean, your thoughts on the goal, the build-up, uh, the scrappiness, uh, just just your thoughts on the goal in general. Yeah, I mean, there, there's I only have two things that I can really add because I think Stephen covered it and the, and the circumstance is not behind it very well, but First of which is the BBC haven't given the official scoring of an assist to Van Dyke, which bothers me because I want the center back to center back assist assister to goal because I just think that that's fun. Mm. And the second thing I can think of, and this is going to be a recurring theme throughout this match, is Tyrone Mings is god awful. Like no command of his area, no command of the areas he's supposed to be defending. He just basically he, he's terrible. And the only thing that really kind of bothered me at points was just not isolating him enough. But I think that was probably. Uh, reasonably good game planning from Villa to know that they have to protect an extremely weak link. Yeah, I think uh, Villa defensively are, are quite quite questionable. And yeah, um, uh, I think Steven Gerrard certainly needs to tighten up things at the back there. And uh, you know what? It was 
It was a really, really scrappy, scrappy game. I mean, what did you make of it, Justin? Because I felt like the first half was just a bit chaos. I mean, you know, at 19 minutes, I mean, I mean, Sadio Mane got the goal, but you know, at, you know, you sat there at half time and, you know, like, and I was like kind of looking back at the Spurs game where, you know, Virgil van Dijk had the clear header and obviously it hit the crossbar. And in this game, you know, Chimikas puts in a cross to Mane and, you know, it's got a clear header, no pressure. And he, you know, he fires it wide and, I'm sat there at half time thinking, oh gosh, you know, are those the kind of chances that you kind of, um, you know, rule later on? But, uh, luckily that didn't happen. But, you know, there was just so much going on and, you know, we'll get to other things. But, and then of course, you know, Al- Alison had a bit of a, a bit of a brain fart moment as well when I think Fabinho passed the ball back to him and he tried playing it back to Fabinho. And I think Watkins kind of intercepted it. But luckily nothing came of that. But it, did you not find that it was just, we looked a bit, unsettled in the first half I don't know like maybe panicking I think we did I mean a, a player who I think was probably our not probably a player who I think was our best player on the night missed the most clear-cut chance we had in the entire first half Maddie Kata could have could have taken that ball in drank three cups of coffee taken up smoking quit smoking and then scored the goal with the amount of time he had yep like, yep but instead it just goes off of his standing leg I mean look there's a lot that there's a lot to be said when you're playing in the league where we are and at this exact point this late in the season where you don't have a margin for error. Right? That 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 that's going to be mentally tough on players. We typically get past it, right? We won the game, so we got past it. But there are going to be moments in in those games where you're where you are going where players are going to make mistakes because they're human and the stakes that they're playing for are incredibly high, and there's a lot, and there's a lot riding on them for the game, for them, and for their supporters. So we have to remember that these guys are human, and that they're going to make mistakes. But far more often than not, we've seen this team dig themselves out of their mistakes and really get past it. Absolutely. And what did you make of the first half, uh, Steve? Because you know, to me, there was a little bit of chaos, and then I thought things started to calm down. I felt like Liverpool were on the front foot and it was just a shame that half-time happened. But I want to get your thoughts on, on the first half because I did feel like, ooh, Liverpool just thought, not that I'm negative or, or, or overly critical, but it just seemed like, I don't know, the final ball wasn't great. We were trying to rush things. We were trying to be really, really smart. We were trying to, you know, I don't know, overcomplicate things. I mean, Justin just spoke about that Nabucator thing where his feet got stuck under the ball. You know, just things were happening. Yeah, I think I think up until um, Fabinho going off, there was there was a there was a big positive in Simicas, right? I I was taking notes all the way through. In the eighth minute, he has that sort of weird cross shot, but there's nobody in the box, so he's just having a pop, isn't he? Um, on ten minutes, Yota plays Jota plays it through to Diaz and. Again, it's a slightly sort of poor touch stumble. And on another day, you know, Diaz is going to round the keeper. Um, Mane has a near post miss. Yota has a shot blocked. And then we get to the one you mentioned, the back post miss. So by the time Mane's missed that, we've had four or five chances from the goal. So I felt like something would would come and we would get there. But it did feel like it was going to be a war of attrition to get a goal. It felt like it was going to be a a penalty a, off the back of someone's head, a something stupid to go in and um, so I was trying not to get frustrated um there was a Diaz offside where Marley taps it in um 
obviously Kate has missed uh, another. There weren't many corners, were there? And then at the end of the half, Jones tried to pull his um, Coutinho, didn't he, and tried a couple of long shots. And we were getting chances, and we were getting space, and you know they were good quality chances. They were near misses. They were similar. As I said, was a real positive in the first half, minus the goal because he was trying to get the ball in the box. He was trying to make the runs. He stands up to players. He doesn't give a crap, does he, who you are? So it was annoying, but I, I, I just I felt like a goal would come, but I felt like it was going to come from Simicast. It's just that he, just, he was really good in the first half. And then, weirdly, when Fab goes off and Hendo comes on, the midfield slowed down and we kept the ball, but you know, the UP boys said, didn't they, yesterday that this, the stats don't say that Hendo, that Hendo brings control, but when Fab's having a, an off day like that, I think it was more Fab going off than Hendo coming on that made the difference, but we definitely looked a lot better when we had you know, three fielders on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring two things up when it comes to Henderson right now, because I actually think he was actually quite good when he came on, and I think he did the job that we needed him to. But first off, he's been better at the six than he has at the eight all season. And we've controlled games more with him at the six than we have at the eight, with the exception of most likely kind of, I guess, Brighton, where Keita comes off and it forces, uh, you know, it forces our midfield to just kind of get ragged because it became Ox, Jones, and Henderson. And they, there's no player who can do what someone like a Keita or a, a Tiago does to control a game. But Henderson can actually still play that six role decently if you put the right mid, if you put the right eights around him. Where if you give him eights that can either cover ground or control tempo, and his job just becomes to try to try to win the ball back a little bit here and there, like re- ball recovery and keeping it re- and keeping the ball moving. Mm. Typically, that's when he does well at that role. And against teams that sit back, that's where it works. So. There's always the yeah. possibility that he could actually, you know, if, if we are without Fab on Saturday, uh, a Henderson K to Tiago, uh, uh, K to Tiago midfield, A, is, mo- is your most likely midfield. Also makes sense because it does have three guys who have differentiated roles enough that you'd yes. be able to have some balance. Mm. Yeah, I think against teams that sit back, um, teams that give space to Henderson, th- regardless of how deep he is. I think they're the games where he plays well as the six. But I think the big, big difference is the shortcomings of Henderson's game is he, when he gives the ball to Thiago, Thiago just takes the play. So as long as Henderson's cleaning up, moving the ball around, doing his usual Captain America shouting at everybody thing, um, I think he's fine. I think it's when he thinks he's Gerard and tries to take the game by the scruff of the neck that I've had enough of him now. So yeah, I think he was fine today. I wasn't. It wasn't meant as a dig at Henderson per se. It was more that suddenly having another player actually playing, as opposed to Fab, who just looked really off the pace, made quite a big difference. And as we said at the start of the pod, I thought Jones did was playing reasonably well. He was having a six, seven out of ten. He was trying to keep the ball. He was trying to be positive. And had Nabby not fallen over himself he would have got man of the match today I think that's the only reason he didn't get it is that miss I think so I think you know there are some positives that we kept going we didn't let it get to us we were making chances and we 
Just got to keep grinding out wins. Just got to yeah. grind out five more wins. Five more, guys. Five more. I mean, yeah, uh, you, you spoke about, you know, Chibikasi that first half, you know, trying to get the crosses in and we certainly saw it. But, you know, let's let's move on swiftly to the the second half. And uh, Trent had a couple of free kicks. I mean, uh, Justin, what what did you make of his... Uh, when was the last time he actually scored from a free kick? I, I can't West Ham. Was it? West Ham away. Oh, yeah, um, it was. I mean... His first free kick of the second half narrowly missed. Um, the second half, Trent actually looked like he was starting to find, you know, mm. find his targets and get his range. That's good. That's something that we really need. Like, a lot of our inability to... We haven't finished well lately, but a lot of our inability saves something like, you know, Kada's absolutely wide-open chances. We haven't, sco- we haven't gotten a lot of open, clear-cut chances. Like, we've, reg- we've regressed statistically in the amount that we create each Right, the few it, it doesn't take a genius to know that you cre- the fewer chances you create, the fewer chances you um you score. Right, it's obvious. But and a lot of how we actually create chances just relies on Trent being an elite playmaker. He's been that for eight nights of the season, and we could use him. That's you know, and we could use him rediscovering that for you know at the very least a Champions League final and an FA Cup final, but also. It would be nice if he can do it in two more league games where we could potentially win those. So it's, you know, those are what we need. I think it's actually, um, you know, incumbent on him to to do that because he he's our main creative, and and we need our main creative fire to get the business end. We absolutely do. He is absolutely sensational. And we've just been corrected in the Discord chat box by Adam and Nubo saying it's four more wins. And then Adam goes, five if you're thinking about United on June the 12th in South, uh, in South Asia somewhere, Southeast Asia somewhere. Yeah, of course, uh, four, four big games. Sorry, guys. Um, if, if, we have to dro- if we have to drop one of them, I will, I will um, gladly sacrifice ourselves for, I guess, would it be Eric Ten Hag's first... Uh, Liverpool Manchester United game if we have to lose one of the if we have to lose one of those you know I'll I'll take uh I'll 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 I'll, I'll gladly sacrifice that one to win the other four here here and uh Steve I'm gonna come to you and I want to get your thoughts on um you know first of all I'm assuming Steve did you watch that game on Sky Sports yes but I've kind of started to zone out the horrific commentary I was just going to touch on that because that, I think, did not help the matters in the first half. And also Jamie Redknapp's halftime analysis, there was just a lot of, yeah, Liverpool weren't, you know, it wasn't great. But I just remember um, Jamie Carragher saying something along the lines of um, when Alisson um, had that brain fart moment um, in the first half. Oh, he has one of them every game. No, he doesn't. Yeah, and he you also know, makes it sound like Trent scores twenty free kicks a season when he lines mm. up. It's like, oh, this is definitely a a Trent shot, and it's like, is it? Because <laughs> we've scored some nice free kicks this year where we've put it in the back post for our centre backs. So I don't know. I think I kind of feel like Carragher and Neville have turned into commentary clickbait. Right? They say things for a reaction, not because they're actually any good anymore. Um. And I kind of feel like Mane got mad of the match because he's Carragher's favourite player, not because he was actually the best player on the pitch. I thought Cater and Simiscas were both, overall of the game, were better. better. 
I think I think when we switched in the second half, we put Diaz back on the left. We looked so much, so much more dangerous. He's just a lot more comfortable and confident there. Mm. Um, when we were playing on the right, it looked more like a more like he was trying to play in behind two strikers, and it wasn't quite working. And I'm I know he's scoring goals, but I'm not down with the Mane exper- experiment as a centre forward. I just I don't think it suits him. He scored his goal when he was playing on the right of the three. He scored. Um, and with all the positioning swapping, I think Diaz looked good, but then suddenly you kept looking up and Diaz and um, Yotta and Mane were both getting each other's way quite a lot in the second half. They were both a bit too close to each other when you'd want one of them running on the shoulder and one of them dropping in. So I just think either play Jota or get a centre forward, but stop playing them both and swapping them in and out of the match. They get in each other's way. Um, but there was a really lovely cross from Diaz where Jota tries to break down to Jones and Jones sort of trips over his feet, doesn't he? So mm. Diaz gets the free. He he gets to, does he get fouled for the free kick? I know he's driving at the defence when we win the first free kick. So I think moving him across the left made a big difference, but the commentary, I can't, do you know what, I, even, I almost wrote it down, and I didn't write it down because it was so annoying. They said something completely obscure and ridiculous, and I was like, God, Sky's got shit this day, these days, hasn't it? And then I just zoned out the rest of the game. Yeah, maybe we need to start watching football on mute. And uh, Justin, I'm going to come to you because, um, you know, you spoke about Jones, and I thought he played really well, but... I think, you know, the game, I don't know, there was, even though we looked better, I felt like there was still something a little disjointed about us, you know, in, in terms of attack. There was something, the final ball just wasn't quite right. So, you know, Jones comes off, Thiago comes on, and, uh, you know, instantly there is, um, I don't know, um, uh, he makes an impact straight away, you know, um Within four minutes, we we get the goal, and you know I think it is um you know sort of Tiago's kind of pressing, and I think you tweeted it, and it went so unnoticed. I mean, Diaz got the assist because obviously he puts the ball across to um Sadio Mane, the, and the ball that Jota played yes, in the corner. Yes, Diaz is yes, good. yes. For a guy who gets killed for his for his build up play, um, and by the way, some of that's rightfully so because his build up today play today was. Fairly bad. The ball sometimes doesn't stick. But Diogo Jota does have a habit of, you know, finding a good time to make an impact in a game and usually having it in some way linked to a goal. Now, usually he's on the finishing end. But in this in this case, it's a Tiago press. Jota with a ball recovery. Jota playing a ball that finds um, Diaz in space that he can exploit. And it's a really good cross to Mai who gets a really brave header in. Mm. It's the type of goal. It's the type of goal that you see that, that, that you know what? To be, it's a little harsh on Jones because he could, he might have been able to, you know, make put that pressure on in that space to to win the ball back. But Tiago also is an elite presser, so maybe Jones couldn't have. But it is the type of thing where you know, it, it, it's a really good goal. And at that exact point when that ball went in, I, I knew that the game was basically over. I did not see Villa scoring. They did because Villa didn't really. That's the thing. Outside their one goal, outside their goal, which could have been offside was offside because Ollie Watkins is massively offside in the buildup. They didn't really create anything against us. Like th- th- there was no, they-, they didn't really break us down very often. The closest I think we've had was, um, you know, Danny Ings running through a few times, but he's offside nearly every single time. You have Felipe Coutinho breaking through on Virgil, but then Virgil recovering and showing why we're glad that we have Virgil Van Dyke and not Felipe Coutinho in, in Liverpool still. 
And Katrina basically saw it was Virgil and fell over. Yeah. And that's so many people. Yeah. Virgil van Dyke is an extremely intimidating footballer, but we, you know, we, we stifled their ability to create. They made it hard on us, but hard, but manageable because we still had a, a bunch of opportunities to score. They had one good opportunity that was offside, and they scored it. I'm, I, I'm not as impressed by Villa today as I was, as as a lot of other people, I guess, in the media will be because it's Stephen, and and the British media probably love him. Um, I mean, I love him too, but uh, I, I don't think that they were very good. I don't know what their tactical game plan was outside. Waste a ton of time and just try to be and just try to be frustrated. That's every team we play against in the Premier League. They got in behind a few times, but pretty much all of them were offside. However, we're elite at that particular way of defending. And if that's how they play against City, and City have got three of their probably first choice defenders out, that's why I said, looking at the positives of how Villa did, I think they could cause problems for City on the last game of the season. But I'm kind of with you on Jota. I think... Much prefer to be seeing him playing as the nine at the moment. Um, he had two or three. As I said, there was one in the first half where he plays it through to Diaz, and Diaz can't quite control it. He's coming in from the right onto his left foot. Um, he obviously plays it through to Diaz for the free kick. He does the little knockdown to Curtis, where Curtis can't get on the end of it. I think Jota did a lot of positive things today. I mean, he wasn't superb or brilliant, but he was trying to do the right thing. Um, and I just think he's more suited as a nine. I think he feels more, he looks more natural at where he's moving. Whereas Sadi, I think, still is either still learning it or it's not, doesn't quite suit him. But then they start to get in each other's way because they're both trying to do the right thing. Yeah. If we're, if we're going to actually, you know, kind of run this rotation of how we use our forwards, I do think it needs to be a bit more horses for courses than just, um, a straight rotation where you just flip where every one of them goes, because it does feel, it did feel like at times in the first half, the forward line just didn't know where, what they should be doing and how to play together. Yeah. Because that forward line hasn't seen a lot of minutes together in that particular way. Right. Yeah. It's most of the time. Yeah. Mane was, was world-class isn't far off world-class on the left today. He scored his goal when he was playing on the right. And before we signed Mane, he was, a brilliant goal scoring, you know, right forward. So I think with Mane, just just play him in one of the two wide positions. Yeah, I would play Mane in the I'd play Mane on the left before I'd play Diaz there. Because as much as I've liked what I see from Diaz, the threat with him is the ability to either roll you and cut really close to the post where he's still able to see most of the, the goal with his right foot. Like playing on the left, if you're regardless of how you're running. If you're running at the byline or you're running or you're or you're cutting inside, your right foot still gives you the best angle to shoot at a goal, right? Mane is more two-footed than Diaz. He gives you a goal threat from his left foot as well. We've seen him absolutely blast the ball with his left foot. He's, him and Jota are our two left foot are, are there two guys that we have that strike the ball with both feet really well on the run. Now, Jota doesn't play very well on the right at all because he should really just play up center because of the because of the limitations and possibly how he attacks the ball and carries the ball. But Mane is the one you shift right. And you keep, yeah. Mane, in a, you keep Mane in space. Yeah, Mane's our best left forward and he's our second best right-sided forward. It's that, that simple. 
Um, and I think when you want to play the three, I'd even if you if they really want to play three, play Mo through the middle. Yeah, and it's a different game because Mo, when Mo plays through the middle, he plays on the shoulder of the last defender. He doesn't play dropping deep, but we have done that so infrequently the last two years. It scare people, or just rotate the three wide forwards and just rotate Bobby and Jota through the middle. Like the first half of the season, how many important goals did Yota score? How many goals? Like when we when we signed him, like. The first thing I t- tweeted Dave Hendrick was like, oh, we're going to score loads of back post headers. And Sam Maguire put up an article of how Jota scores loads of back post headers. And this season he's done it again, right? The ball comes in from the right, gets the... Back post, he's been brilliant. And stop trying to shoehorn Mo Marley and Diaz at the same time. I think he'll be really, really important in the finals, whether he plays 10 minutes, 80 minutes, just bringing in that. It's not quite target man, is it? But you can play the ball into him and he can take the ball with his back to defenders. He can take the the ball running at defenders. Yeah, he kind of pulls the strings for people. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I have some questions on this because I'm going to go through them real quick. And it, Steve, it's pretty much what you just said there about control. And um, I've got a question here from Hardeep Bamra, Bamra, and he wants to know, do you think Thiago gave us better control versus Curtis Jones um, being better in a more basketball kind of game? I think Thiago would be better in either type of game. I yeah, mean, I don't... Th- th- this isn't like a knock on Curtis Jones, who's a player who I absolutely love, but... Thiago Alcantara is one of the greatest midfielders who's ever played. So, yeah, I think he just gives you more control. And I also think saying CJ's better at a basketball game is a it's a misgiving of how he plays. I thought Jones today was trying. He, he's not Thiago, but I think that's who he wants to model himself. And if you watch how he was today, he was picking the ball up. He was playing sideways and simple passes and trying to keep the ball moving positively. He wasn't box-to-box charging around... The way, he, the way he was in his first couple of seasons getting into the team, I think he started to mature and he is turning into more of an eight and less of that, you know, more attacking-minded player who's been in there. Um, I think Thiago gives us the control for exactly what Justin says because Thiago is one of the best centre midfielders in the world. He's, he's an excellent mentor then, isn't he, for Curtis Jones? Because, if you know, if he's showing more maturity in his game, then it's only good that he be his little understudy, right? Yeah, yeah. I just want to throw one thing out there. If we're talking about Curtis today, he only misplayed four passes in the entire time he was on the pitch. Well, so I feel like, you know, with the basketball game, you are talking about a lot of turnover and possession. And I think that Curtis didn't really do that. You know, he, he, it's not like he was, it's not like he was trying to shoot from everywhere or take every single player on. Right. I think he did play within the structure of we want, what we wanted our midfield to do. It's just that I think that Villa also kind of pressed us a bit, made it feel like more of a basketball game than it was, and then they died because they can't keep that style up for ninety minutes. Yeah, and when when Curtis shot, they were the it was the right decision, and they Ooh. were both chances where we've seen him score before. Yes, um, 
But when it wasn't the right decision, he was keeping the ball moving. And if he can be half the player Thiago is, he will be a very, very good Liverpool player for a very long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I thought he had, he was a mature performance from him today, but bringing on Thiago was the right move for what we needed with, you know, with the whole Hendo being in for Fab thing, we needed a bit more of a dictator with the experience yeah. of when to slow the ball down, when to move it. Um, he plays some really lovely passes, Thiago. does. He really, really does. And you know what? Um, I've got another comment um, from Adam Predicione. He loves to keep it lively in Discord, and I, I love that. Um, I think it's kind of alluding to what you said, um, Justin, about, you know, they didn't really have many chances, Aston Villa. And he goes, if it wasn't for Alisson and Virgil, the Ings and Phil chances might have gone a lot differently. Alisson is approaching player of the year for us with, with his performances. And of course, you know, we scored round about, I'd say, on the 64th minute, but round about 68 minutes, I think Ings was through on goal and Al- Alisson had to make himself huge one-on-one with, with Danny Ings. And we know Danny Ings can be threatening in those positions. And, you know, those crucial saves, I mean, the, you know, they are huge, right? I mean, even though they didn't have anything, we were just kind of, I don't know, making our own kind of mistakes. But, you know, thank thank God for a keeper like Alisson Becker. <laughs> He's like the Hulk, isn't he? Like... He comes from nowhere. He's quietly just stood watching the match. He gets in a one-on-one and this massive green monster appears and comes out with the ball. Uh, with 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 the Ings chance, when you watch the replay, Ings looks absolutely petrified of what's just happened to him. Yeah. He just doesn't see him coming. He was he was phenomenal and he was a difference maker, but that's what one of the world's most expensive goalkeepers has to be right. He has to be that player all the time for us. And it's what allows us to play the high line because he is probably the best keeper in the world at one-on-ones. Um, same as Virgil, is probably the best centre-back in the world at one-on-ones. But I thought Matip was particularly good today. He got a lot of clearances in. He didn't, again, the goal was a bit of a shambles, but apart from that, he didn't get phased by anybody, you know, tackles, in the box, Simicass, you know, made a sliding tackle on, was it Ollie Watkins? Mm-hmm. After a bit of a mix-up, I thought the whole defence played well. And even though everyone remembers Allison and Virgil for the big moments, I think we need to remember that Matip and Costas had a few of their own. I think they all performed pretty well. And Trent was played admirably. He just looked tired. Yeah, I... I... I'd echo that. I think that's pretty much spot on. And Justin, what, what are your thoughts on, you know, the Alisson save? Because he just like literally just turned up out of nowhere. And I think Steve just hit the nail on the head where, uh, you know, Danny Ings looked a little bit petrified. You know, he's, he looks down, looks up and there's, um, you know, big Ali just staring at him. Well, not staring at him, but, you know, making himself dead big and, you know, imposing himself. Yeah, I mean, I think Steve nailed basically everything that I want to say about Allison Becker and Virgil van Dyke. So I'll just add something else, which is that they're both also very handsome. I like that. Analysis. Analysis. Yeah, yeah. I, I think not many people will, will disagree with you on that one as well. You know, uh, both of them to get a lot of loving from from our male supporters with regards to how they look and and the females as well. 
And Justin, I'll stick to you because, um, uh, you know, Diaz came off. I thought he had a really good game. Moore comes on and he instantly looked bright. You know, like I think he's definitely a player that was due a little bit of a rest. He was. Um, Mo's going to, like, we know how this goes. Guys who are on, guys like him who are on scoring droughts, like, they don't tend to, there tends to be a point where they get comically long and then they just break. Like, I remember in the Champions League season, um, Mo went from, Mo had a bunch of bad game, bad finishing games in a row and then finally scores that um, breakaway against Southampton and the flood, and the floodgates came open. Um, let's just hope that that starts on Saturday because obviously he's going to start the game and he's always had a decent goal-scoring record against Chelsea. Um, so it would be really nice to see him uh, start that on Saturday and just, you know, tear the ass out of a few teams out of four teams for the rest of the season. Absolutely, and I'll be intrigued to see what yoga pause he does against Chelsea as well. Um, <laughs> Steve, I'm going to come to you. I mean, what do you make of Mosala? I thought he looked really, really bright when he came on. Um, sort of sparked a new kind of energy for me on in, in the attack, you know, and uh, Diaz played really well as well. So, you know, it was great to, it's just great to have that kind of quality to come off the bench. Yeah, I mean, he almost scored with his first touch. Yes. But we all we all know what Mo's like. Had he scored with his first touch, you know he's going home with a match ball today and he's battered them single-handedly. And I genuinely think if he scores against Chelsea or Madrid in the first 15 minutes of both the finals, we're going to very comfortably win. I also think if he scores early against Chelsea, he's probably scoring seven on Tuesday next week. Is it Tuesday we play Southampton? Um, he just... He's that one open play outrageous goal from just tearing somebody apart. Like the next time he cuts his side onto his left and curls one in from 18, 19 yards, it's just going to open the floodgates, isn't it? It really is. It really is. He's just phenomenal. And it's so great to have that kind of player on on your team. And yeah, he instantly made an impact as soon as he came on. So, you know, we, we'd love to see that. Guys, um, we have pretty much come to the end of the show. I mean, Justin, is there any takeaways you've got from the game? Anything you want to share? No. At this point, I feel like analysis. And I'm, At this point, analysis to me is kind of over. Don't even, don't even care about doing it. Just, yeah. just want to you know, get on with it and see what happens over these next four games. And I think that's fair. And what about you, Steve? Anything from the game? Any takeaways? Cater's massive balls. Because there must be a huge to have been clipped like that and be rolling around because, you know, they were nowhere near them. And B, he's about a foot shorter than Mings and he was having none of it. I love that. I love seeing players just thoroughly enjoyable when you're watching Mings shouting fuck off as he walked away from Cater but with his back to him because he's realised if he says it to his face again, it's not going to end well. Um and then again, rolling around holding his groin because his testicles are so big, he's banged them into his knees. It's the only explanation for, for that, that last 95th minute little episode, isn't it? Nothing to say to that. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Guys, um, we, we need to get your man of the match uh, shout. So, uh, Steve, I will come to you first. Who's your man of the match and why? Costas because he just kept on going and going and going and going and he nearly got an assist for Matip and he was just a bright light after Robbo's had a tired few weeks 
and it wasn't his fault he didn't get an assist. It's because Matip went back into 50p head mode in the 75th minute. Um, and we're, and we're going to need him. Robbo wasn't even on the bench, was he? So I think we're going to need him for the next few games. Kate was a close second, but I'm going to go for Costas. I like that. I like that. A bit different. And yep, definitely. It's so great to have a, a quality left back who can kind of st- step into a role because I think we can all agree Robbo has been looking a little tired and jaded, which is to be expected. And what about you, uh, Justin? Who are you going to go with for your man of the match? Yeah, the miss, the, the miss, the, the ridiculous miss does nothing for me with it. It's still Nabi Keita. He completely and totally outplayed the entire Villa midfield. And, uh, you know, the shithousery at the end is uh, is quite nice to see from one of our players. You know, the, Villa Villa sought to waste a lot of time with us in two matches against us. And, it you know, it's good to see us returning the favor once we have a lead. I love it. I love it. We have got two really, really great shouts there. And, you know, Naby Keita gets a lot of stick and a lot of criticism. And I thought you had a really wonderful game. But then you got Jimmy Kass, who didn't feature much last season at all, actually, because of all the injuries. And I think Jurgen Klopp was just not trying to risk play that risky game. And, you know, people thought, has he got a feature at this club? And he stepped in when Robbo's been out, when he was out injured, and he just pushed Robbo to another level. And he just showed that he's an excellent, excellent deputy. I mean, it's a hard shot for me. I am going to go with, I'm going to have to go with Naby Keita on this one. Purely because I thought, Again, he gets a lot of criticism. I like him in that midfield. I thought he played really well. And yeah, and that's where the games are won, is the control in the midfield. So yeah, I'm going to give it to Naby Keita. Guys, let us know your man of the match shouts. Tweet us, let us know. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We really, really hope you enjoyed it. Before I go, I'm going to go to my guests and see if I can get some plugs from them. So, Justin, I'm going to come to you. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at Rolls on Shabbos. Um, I occasionally also tweet from the LFCNY account. So if you, you know, like a joke I've told, then good. Um, otherwise, yeah, that's where you can find me. Give him a follow. Give him a follow. And what about you, uh, Steve? Where can people find you on social media? And is there anything you'd like to plug? Can't hear Steve. I forgot to push the talk. Um, FA Cup final. Where me, Guy, Lisa, a few of us have been doing the domestic cups this year we've been on a pretty good run getting all the way to two finals so and it's my first first podcast for trev actually so come and listen to the final show that'll be a lot of fun that sounds like a quality quality lineup so do check that out do give it a listen and hopefully 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 the the a star team of ai are talking about Liverpool winning the FA Cup against Chelsea. So, yeah, definitely check that out. And best of luck to Liverpool and best of luck to these awesome, awesome people and Lisa as well on that podcast. Lisa is awesome. Going to put that out there. Um, Guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all the people that joined us live on Discord. I know it's late. I know we're all uh, on different hours. A massive shout out to Chris for calling in. A massive thank you to these two, Justin and Steve. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, I hope you enjoyed that win. And um, just a, a small matter of a, of a cup game over the weekend. Till next time, take care and up the Reds. 
We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.